Our Old Testament lesson today is a critical turning point in the books of Samuel. The preceding chapters have described the failed kingship of Saul and God's rejection of him. Now David is privately anointed, and the chapters that follow recount his complex relationship with Saul and his rise to become king over Israel. Now hear a reading of 1 Samuel 16, 1-13, found in the Old Testament, page 259 of your Pew Bibles. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Ubadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shaman pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him. For we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil 
and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. Someone once said to Helen Keller, what a pity you have no sight. And she replied, yes, but what a pity so many have sight and cannot see. How often in life do we look yet not really see. It is easy to do because we live in a culture that promotes style over substance and confuses appearance with reality. From cars to cigarettes, advertising research reveals that associating a product with images of youth and sexuality or beauty will lead to increased sales, even if those images have nothing to do with the product itself. Likewise, to garner votes, politicians seek to polish a successful media image rather than focus on issues. Superficial interpretations of people, events, and happenings abound in a soundbite hashtag Instagram world. The fallibility of the superficiality of our world vision is echoed in the story of David's anointment. A story which beckons us not only to look, but also to see, and to see through the eyes of God. As the story goes, Jesse's son, Eliab, appeared to the prophet Samuel as a king directly from central casting. He was tall, dark, and handsome. Jesse's firstborn. Surely, Samuel thought, this is the one whom God has chosen to be the next king of Israel. But God immediately rebukes his prophet because in God's eyes, there is a big difference between looking and seeing. God explains to Samuel that as human beings, we tend to look at outward appearances, but God sees the heart. For the ancients, you see, the heart was not only the center of emotions as we think of it today, but the very core of one's being. One commentator writes, emotion, intelligence, discernment, wisdom, commitment, and character were all considered elements of the heart. It 
was akin to what we call the soul, that invisible force that makes us who we are. At the beginning of this chapter, however, we learn that Samuel did not want to look or see the future God envisioned. He was in a dark place, the kind of place most of us know all too well, a valley of grief and fear that had him immobilized. Samuel grieved because the divine grand experiment that made Saul Israel's first king had failed. Saul, who showed such promise, the one whom Saul, Samuel himself, had anointed, the one whom Samuel lovingly had mentored. Saul had fallen out of favor with God. Samuel had just delivered the grim news to his mentee, telling Saul that his hopes and dreams as king of Israel would not be realized. Samuel told Saul that he was doomed. Samuel was in grief in a difficult liminal place and feared Saul's wrath. But God already was looking to the future. The season of grief was over. There would be no more dwelling on what might have been. As God sometimes does for us in those dark times when we are blinded by grief and fear, God prodded and pushed. Samuel to move on. It was time for Samuel to see anew with God's eyes. It was time for Samuel to get on with his life, to do the work he was born to do, to assume his prophetic role and minister to his people, even if he had to be prodded every step of the way. There are times in life when we simply have to move on, whether we like it or not, in order to fulfill God's will for our lives. So Samuel obeys and follows God's direction. Finally, after Samuel looks on all of Jesse's assembled sons and did not see the one God chose to be king, Jesse brings in his youngest, the least, the smallest, in from the fields. Ironically, this shepherd boy also was handsome with beautiful eyes, but it was his heart his character, his intelligence, his soul that God saw. So Samuel anointed the unlikely youngest son, David, as king. And God's spirit entered David and stayed with him from that day forward. We can take much comfort in the fact that God 
does not look through human, human eyes, but sees the heart, the soul. That God sees through the eyes of love. We learn in childhood how hurtful it often is to be seen through the world's eyes. The youngest, smallest, least coordinated child waits awkwardly in line as the more athletic, popular children are chosen by the captain for the playground team. The plain teenager sits uncomfortably on the sidelines as her prettier peers are asked to dance. A young woman in a brand new job is told in direct and sometimes indirect ways that she is barely smart enough or talented enough or capable enough to be there. The love of your life tells you that he or she is leaving. Later in life, a man is told by his boss that even though he has been a loyal, productive employee for many, many years, he is no longer needed. He no longer fits the profile as the company advances to the next level. Through God's grace, like Samuel, we can survive and move on from all these situations. But the personal tragedy comes when we believe that the superficial ways the world sees us is real. When we believe that the negative images others project on us are the sum and substance of our being. If we define ourselves solely by our inadequacy, failure, and disappointment, we can no longer see ourselves as we really are, beloved children of God. If we focus too much on the reflection of ourselves that we see in the world's mirror, we are in danger of losing sight of all that is within our hearts, our character, our soul. Likewise, Societal tragedy occurs when we communally embrace superficial visions and fail to see the world as God sees it. When we judge others in groups through fear-driven propaganda and outward appearance rather than inner substance. Tragically, as part of the human condition, we too often overlook and exclude, wrongfully judge and fear those who look different from the norm, the homeless, immigrants, the mentally and physically handicapped, even the elderly. 
by looking without really seeing. We tend to separate and objectify and categorize our world. But how can we really see through God's eyes? Even Samuel's vision was impaired. Fortunately, God has given us corrective lens through the life of Jesus Christ. Christ taught us how to see through the eyes of love. Through his interactions with sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes, he showed us how to look beyond outward appearances and into the heart. By example, Christ lifted the blinders from our eyes and gave us God's vision. Seeing the world through God's eyes, the eyes of love, is exemplified by our deacons. The men who and women who serve as deacons see beyond the ill, disabled, frail bodies into the beautiful hearts of the elderly they visit. Hearts that hold a lifetime of love and wisdom and grace. Those involved in the pastoral and mission work of this church see beyond life circumstances. You look beyond superficialities and see the hearts of the formerly incarcerated who come to us as TAP clients. Because you see the hearts of the homeless, the mentally ill, those with addictions, and those who live in poverty, you recognize them as brothers and sisters in Christ, to be accepted and assisted rather than feared and excluded. Because our earth stewards see creation through God's eyes, they, like theologian Thomas Berry, who, by the way, was the subject of a wonderful film shown here last Monday evening, view the natural world as a communion of subjects rather than a collection of objects to be exploited for our own human use. Because you see with God's eyes the hearts of those who died by gunfire last year in this city, you mourn with their families. Because you see with God's eyes the hearts of those who died by gunfire last year, you will display t-shirts on our church lawn next weekend to remember each and every one of these 176 victims in the hopes that through this t-shirt memorial, others will likewise be able to see through God's eyes the tragedy of gun violence and in seeing be motivated toward action. God told Samuel 
that mortals' vision is different from God's vision, that we look with superficiality, but God sees the heart, the character, and the soul. Because our survival as a human race depends on following God's vision, in the Old Testament, God sent prophets like Samuel to reveal God's love to the world. And later, God sent Jesus, the Christ, so that each of us could learn for ourselves how to see through God's eyes. For my friends, it is only in seeing through God's loving eyes that the vision for our own lives, our church, and our world becomes clear. Amen.